Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. And today we have my friend, Trisha Goyer, mother of 10 and author of 70 books joining us. You heard me right, 70 books while having 10 children. I was so fascinated by Trisha's story and especially her message from her latest book, The Grumble Free Years. Now, as an Enneagram 7, I hate grumbling. So this is a message I can get behind. I wanted to know how she had a grumble for a year with 10 children and how she's written 70 books. You are going to get to be a fly on the wall of this conversation where I am truly fascinated by Trisha and her story does not disappoint. So I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's dive in. Hey, Trisha. Hey, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. I am so excited to have you on today. I was joking, you know, before we hopped on that I hate complaining. So when I heard about your book, The Grumble Free Year, I was like, oh, we got to talk about it. So I would (laughs) love for you to start by sharing who you are, what you're writing about these days. I mean, you've got 70 books under your belt and then the story and journey of how you got here. Okay, that sounds great. Well, um, I've been married to John for 29 years, and we have 10 kids. So I actually met John um, when I was a pregnant teenager, 17 and pregnant. I prayed, God, bring me a good husband. And uh, I started dating John after our son, my son was born. So yeah, we've been married 29 years. So our oldest is 30. So Corey is 30. He's married with kids. And then we had two more, um, Leslie and Nathan, who are 27 and 25 now. Leslie lives in the Czech Republic. She um, teaches English there and does ministry there. And then our 25-year-old's in college here. So those are our three biological kids. And then when they were nearly out of the house, we were crazy and we started (laughs) adopting kids. Um, So we first adopted a baby through a private adoption. And then we had two sibling groups from foster care. So a sibling group of a boy and a girl that are now nine and 12. And then we adopted a sibling group of teen girls. They were between the ages of 11 and 15 when the adoption was final. Now they're between the ages of 15 and 19. And that has been the hardest, craziest thing that we've done. Oh Um, my gosh. Hormonal teen girls uh, that have been through hard stuff. So that's just, yeah. And I write books. I've started writing when my oldest was five and I was pregnant with my third. I went to a writer's conference and I'm like, I want to write books. I only have my high school diploma. I've done some college classes. That's it. And I was just a stay at home mom when the kids were napping. I would write. I started with magazine articles. This is before blogs. Like this is in the 90s before the, the blogs were out there. And I wrote magazine articles. And then I moved into books. And I write both fiction and nonfiction. So I have historical novels and Amish novels and then parenting books. So, so scattered and crazy. But whatever I get excited about, I just want to write about. So I write all over the board. You sound like me. Whatever I get excited about, I want to talk about. 
Yeah. And my agent's like, really? You want to write this next? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, it seems to be working because I mean, I've, I've written 70 books with publishers um, and like everything from Amish fiction to, you know, the Grubble Free Year is our newest one. So completely varied. 70 with publishers? I thought surely yeah. like, oh, maybe she started by self like 70 books with publishers. Can you tell me more? Yeah. And I would also love for you to speak to how the heck you started writing when you had five-year-olds and, and you speak to a lot of mops groups, I think it sounds like. And yeah. so you probably know the exact answer of that mama who's listening and thinking, when the heck do I, I have a dream in my heart to write, but when the heck am I going to do it? Yeah. So, well, yeah, 70 books have been with publishers, but it started with me at that writer's conference. And we were so poor. Like my husband was in college. I was home. We were in a 600 square foot apartment, two kids, a baby. And I saved up my money from babysitting other people's kids in our 600 square foot apartment and went to the writer's conference. And I just remember sitting there. I'm like, these are my people. I loved reading growing up. I was always at the library and reading Little House on the Prairie and Nancy Drew and just being there and talking about writing in books just got me so excited. And I think the, that was like the best thing I could have done was going to that writer's conference. Even though I was 22 and pregnant with my third baby and people took me seriously. Like when I sat down with editors and like, I want to write an article about this. They're like, well, send me your idea. And, and I started getting stuff published. I'm like, they didn't ask if like I had a college degree. I just was determined. And I think um, I mean, looking back, I got a lot of rejection. So for a couple of years, I didn't get any articles published. And then even when I started submitting stuff to agents, the first time I was rejected by the agents that I currently have, and I submitted to her again later. Um, but it was me waking up in the morning, in the, you know, in the afternoon, I would have, you know, when the three kids were running around, I'd have mommy's, this is mommy's writing time. And I would have Barney on the TV, Play-Doh on the table, snacks set out, and they would say, Mommy, Mommy. And I'm like, nope, this is my writing time. And for two hours, from 2 to 4 in the afternoon, I would sit there and work on stuff with the kids and the noise and the chaos. And I actually think that benefited me because I have friends that have, like, offices away from home. And, you know, they go to writing cabins, and they're like, you get done more in one day than I do like with the week in a writing cabin, because I think I don't have time to waste. And so when I sit down, whether it's to work on a book or work on an article, which I still do articles or prepare a talk for a mops group, or I speak at homeschool conferences, um, it's like, okay, I have an hour. <laughs> Let's see how much I can get done in this hour. And I'm still such a learner. Like I love listening to podcasts. I'm always like you, like going to YouTube and checking out like how to do a better Instagram page or how to do this. And I think that is key, like being willing to learn and to try new things. And then using those fringe hours, those, those times, like I don't hardly ever watch TV. The voice is like the one thing I'm like, I am watching the voice tonight, but I usually don't watch TV because I'm kind of filling that time with getting those little things done. And it's amazing because after, you know, if you, even if you do a 30 minutes or an hour a day, by the end of the year, you have stuff that can show for it. And so I just want to encourage um, like those mamas out there that are like, I don't know, just like 30 minutes a day or an hour a day and you can really get something done. Well, yeah. And I'm kind of in that season of life where all of my friends are starting to have kids and the friends of mine that do have these creative endeavors, kind of like writing or even running a business, they say they're more productive mm -hmm. than ever now that they, you know, have less time. It forces them to actually get 
their tasks done, their writing done in those fringe hours. And there's, there's no fallback. There's no other options. They have kids who want them every second of the day. And so, you know, I think sometimes it can be paralyzing for someone to think, oh, I just don't have the time. I have small kids, but I love hearing stories like yours or my friend Kate, who says, you know what? You can do it. You can do it in the fringe hours. And clearly you've done, done it 70 times over. Right. Yeah. And I think also too, like we, we tell our kids, like we want you to follow your dreams and uh, God has plans for you. I mean, all the things we tell them, go do big things, but we're like, oh, but I'm not going to follow my dreams until you're in school or you're graduated or, you know, until I'm an empty nest. And I think one of the best things for my kids has been me like sitting down and working on stuff. Cause um, my daughter, when she was, she had her bachelor's by the time she was 20. So she's just like been total goal getter. She started college when she's 16. And then she's like, I'm moving to Europe. And she did. She like, um, just, you know, prayed about it and raised funds and moved there. And she's lived there for six years now. And she got a job teaching at a university when she was 24 years old. She's like the same age as some of the university students. But she saw me like, okay, we're gonna, you're going to come sit with me while I interview this World War II veteran. Or I'm going to go be on this TV show in Canada. We're all going to take a family trip and go up there. And so they were so part of the process. And then, you know, my 25-year-old, he wrote his first novel. I think he was 21 when he started and finished when he was 22. And it didn't seem like strange to him, like, okay, I'm going to take a year off of college and work at Panera Bread and write a novel. And he did. And it's published and it's out there. So I think it has actually benefited my kids when they see, okay, mom is working at this. And, you know, she's just a normal mom. She's making dinner. She's doing laundry. But look at a box of books just showed up and let's open it and let's see. Let's pull them out of the box. So I think it really has benefited my kids. That is so cool to hear because I mean, I, I hope to be able to do what you've done and carve out parts of my day with my kids right there and still crank out some words. I love to write and I hope to find my groove similar to yours. And so I think it's so cool and so inspiring. And one of my favorite pictures is the picture of you on your website with all of these stacks of books. <laughs> and yeah. so I would love for you to start by telling us about your latest book, but I, I've got some questions about hopping around all these topics. So oh, sure. <laughs> we'll no get there, but I'm just so fascinated. So I would love for you to start by sharing about, you know, the grumble free year, the heart behind that, and kind of what the response you've gotten from it. Yeah, that's great. So the grumble free year started because I mean, we have 11 people living in the house. There's a lot of grumbling. And I haven't mentioned yet that my grandma lives with us too. She just turned 90. And she's lived with us for 20 years. She's lived with us since my grandpa passed away. And she's like, I've, we've always been super close. And I'm like, okay, grandma, you're moving in with me. And she's been here for 20 years. So, I mean, she's even included in this too, but with all the people and we've added kids and we've added sibling groups in that like, that hadn't even lived together because in foster care, they were separated. And, and then there's, you know, new parents. And I mean, adoption just brings a lot of past baggage and we kind of dealt with anger. My last book was called Calming Angry Kids and How to Getting Kids to Calm Down when they're triggered and when they're dealing with stuff in the past. And we kind of got past like the big traumatic things. And it's, there's just a lot of grumbling and a lot of complaining. And there's a lot of people and we're just bumping into each other in, you know, in the house and to, you know, people are noisy and people are looking at me and I'm in mean, all the things. And my husband and I 
said, we have to do something about it. And I was talking to my agent. She's like, well, that could be a book. You know, and she, she calls it a social experiment book, which I didn't even know what it was. But basically, you're like, this is our goal. This is what we're going to do from the year. And then you kind of record your progress. And I had lots of ideas of what I thought we would do this activity and memorize this verse and do these things. And often the things I came up didn't work. But even just going through the year and the normal circumstances that we dealt with, like my grandma broke her back during the year, and just seeing how in the midst of pain, she was just so grateful and she was just so thankful. And she was like, thank you, God, this is a good day. And we're like, here we are grumbling. I'm grumbling because the kids got the floor muddy and she has a broken back and is like, just so grateful. And so it was like these things that happened during our year that ended up being the biggest transformation. But it all start with saying like, this is a problem. We can work on it as a family. We're going to all do this together. Like dad and I grumble too. Like it's not just you guys. And then through the year we would say, okay, what works? What didn't work? Where should we focus our attention? And just by, you know, praising our kids when they do things right and catching ourselves instead of grumbling and changing our attitudes by the end of the year, we, we totally saw a huge change. Not that we don't ever grumble, but I know working on it really just gave us a lot more peace in our home. Oh, cool. Well, it's kind of like the idea that like you never arrive at the destination in life, but the journey is a worthwhile pursuit, you know? And so, or like the quest of balance, are we really ever going to land on balance? But pursuing balance is a worthwhile thing. And so I love that. And, you know, my husband teases me because I can't hardly even deal with his complaining. I mean, I become grumpy <laughs> if someone around me is complaining. And so I I know that that's a dynamic we've even had to work through as two people, just coming from two different types of homes um, under one roof. I can't imagine juggling 11 people. What have some of the responses been from some of the mamas who've read this and started to implement this in their own home? I know that, you know, it's, we're, we're talking right as it's coming out, but I know you've probably had focus groups and early yep. readers. I would love to hear. Well, it's so fun. I think most people, first of all, they think, okay, that was great. I want to see how you did it, but our family cannot do that. Like that's kind of an initial thing. Either I get that or they're they're like, okay, we're starting this tomorrow. Like, (laughs) but the fun thing is like people have been, have been telling me when they've talked to their family about it, usually the kids are like, yeah, let's do this. And that my kids, when we sat down with the kids around the table, some kids were like, this is not going to happen. But the littler ones, especially like, um, I think they're like between the ages of six and eight. They're like, yeah, we can do this because kids like a challenge and they, I mean, no one likes grumbling, especially when everyone is grumbling at each other. And I talk about the importance of rewards. Like we work to get money. Like we, we want a new thing. And so we're going to maybe work harder to get it and save up money. And when we give our kids incentives, then they have something to look forward to. So we told our kids that if we work on this for a year, like really work on it, we are going to take them on a cruise. Now, you know, we had five people in a room. It was the cheapest Mexican cruise we can find, but they were on the cruise. They were so proud of their accomplishment. So I talk about that. And so I had one mom, she sent me a photo already. And she's like, her son said like, um, one week without grumbling, a new $5 Lego set, you know, two weeks without grumbling out to dinner, you know, at my favorite restaurant or something. So he's already seen like, okay, I do want rewards, but this is something we could work on. And I think because kids, when they're, when they get that challenge and they know like, this is something we can do, it just gives them incentive to try. So sometimes 
even the kids are like more excited. The parents are like, okay, what are we going to do? Because we have to watch our own tongues if we're going to be, um, you know, wanting our kids to do that. Totally. And I, I love that like the kids got to participate in the reward with that. And I very much work off a reward system in life. Even as an adult, I reward myself for milestones. And so I'm sure that has proven to be a really worthwhile system. So what have have some of the kids had responses to of, man, I, I like life better when I grumble less. Yeah. Our kids have definitely noticed like the difference and the peace and they're proud of how they've changed. And I think you know, the word I use with them is I can see you're really maturing in this area because what kid doesn't like to be told that they're being more mature. And so even with, um, so one of the big issues that we had was kids grumbling when they had to do their chores. So we have a chore system. Everyone knows what they need to do every day, but often it's mom like, Hey, have you done your chore? And then they'd be like, Oh, I'm watching this or I don't want to do this. Or I just got on YouTube or whatever grumbling complaining about not wanting to do it. And I noticed when I would just like gripe at them back or if they're in there doing their chore and I'm in there saying, you didn't wipe this down good enough or you need to wipe out the sink or you forgot to sweep they're Well, of course they're going to complain because I'm, you know, they're doing their chore and now I'm just in there griping at them. And so I noticed like when I took time to say, wow, you were doing such a good job wiping off that part of the counter. All of a sudden they perk up and they start like, going, well, I could wipe off the whole counter this well and, you know, move the canisters, move the things. And I noticed the more I praised them and they knew they were maturing, I'd say, wow, you were really maturing because this kitchen is, you did a really good job. Then when I would ask them, okay, did you do your chore? There wasn't the grumbling because again, they're getting praise. They're seeing that I appreciate it. They feel like they're maturing. And so through this, when we're able to use those words, like you're, you're in maturing when I, when you're grateful instead of grumbling, then kids are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting bigger. I'm getting a handle on this. And they like that. They like to know that they are handling that thing well. And even when we were on the cruise, um, we had bracelets, just those little silicon bracelets and we were passing it out. It said grumble free. And I'm like, tell people what we did. And they're sharing. And one of my daughters, I think she was 13 at the time. And she went up to someone and said, we, we went a year without grumbling. And he's like, tell me more about that. And so she was passing out bracelets. And this one guy is like, well, can I have a couple to take home to my two sons? I would have brought them, but they grumbled too much. And so I left them at home. And she came back and told us that story. And it just made her feel so proud that, you know, they had worked hard. And she, and she said, yes, I know. I used to grumble a lot too, but I've matured. Oh, <laughs> so, you I know, love that. They, they feel like accomplished. And I think all of us, we know when we're not acting right or when we're complaining and it doesn't feel good on the inside, but when we can encourage them to act right and really point that out, then they love it. Well, yeah. And even as an adult, I mean, I, I have a year that I'm like, oh, I had like a pretty negative year. Like, sorry to my friends who had to deal with me, but it feels better to be in a positive space. And even when life is hard, I'm not saying that life is free from pain, but when we choose joy over grumbling, like I like who I am better, Mm -hmm. I'm happier. um, And it helps me navigate that hard season better. You know, it certainly makes it better to choose joy than to grumble. And so, and then it almost cultivates the joy. It's like a snowball effect. So, I mean, those tactics work for me as an adult, not just kids. And I mean, I'm a fan. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. 
This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God is up to on the Radiant Podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their First 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend the first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotional, scripture, worship, and prayer. Grow closer to God this new year. You can sign up to get the First 15 email devotional sent directly to your inbox at first15.org slash subscribe, or start your day off with the First 15 devotional podcast anywhere you listen. about all of these 70 books across various topics and genres. And that really is, if you started writing in your 20s, I mean, that averages out to how many books a year are you writing? Yeah, so I'm 48 now. I have to think about it. (laughs) I'm 48 now, and I think my first book came out when I was 28. So yeah, this has been 20 years. I mean, some years I wrote like four books a year. Um, with different publishers, so I'd have like a novel due with one publisher and a nonfiction book due with a different publisher. And my goal when I started was to write fiction because I just love growing up with novels and reading. And um, I wanted to write like sweet romances and none of those sold. My agent couldn't sell anything. Um, but my very first novel was I was in Europe and two of my friends were on research trips for their historical novels. And I was just completely along for the ride. My husband said, I can go. My three kids were at home with him. And I'm like, okay. And we came upon a concentration camp in Austria. And the historian there started telling us about the liberation of the camp when the Americans came and liberated it. And there was 23 Americans. They didn't even know the camp was there. They were like checking the roads and checking for Germans. And they came upon this concentration camp and ended up the Germans surrendered to them because the, the Russians were close and they didn't want to surrender to the Russians. And so like 3,500 Germans surrendered to 23 Americans and they opened the gates and all these, you know, Jews and prisoners of war just poured out and were singing and, you know, cheering. And then the first person into the camp was a Nazi officer's wife and she hadn't liked obviously what had happened. And she was in there feeding and caring for the prisoners. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this would make the best novel. And so that became my first novel from Dust and Ashes. And I ended up coming home and interviewing, this was in 2000, um, a lot of the veterans that have liberated the camp, which I'm so thankful because now I don't even know if any of the men I originally interviewed are, are alive. So, you know, all of them have passed away. But just hearing their stories and I was able to interview Holocaust survivors and I interviewed people who knew that woman who had gone in. And I'm like, I'm this Montana mom. I lived in Montana at the time. We live in Arkansas now, but I'm I'm like, who am I to like go and interview these guys? But that got me started on the fiction writing. And then at the same time, as I was doing that, we had a mops group and I started working with teen moms because I had been a teen mom. And uh, so then I'm like, there needs to be a book for teen moms. And so I started writing nonfiction. Like the plan wasn't to write nonfiction books too, but that's when things started like going back and forth. I'd write a novel, then I'd write like a, a parenting book or a marriage book or something nonfiction. And I just kept going from there. So it's been like totally wild, random <laughs> road that it's been on. But 
I love it because I could work from home and then explore just all these different areas. I love it. I think it's so fun. And it's it's really a gift that you've been able to alternate between all of these different topics. What would you say to the listener who's probably thinking, oh, I mean, she's just a good writer. If she can crank out 70 books in 20 years, like she's just next level. What would you say to that person who's probably disqualifying themselves right now? Yeah, well, I when I started, I only had my high school diploma. I didn't even know anything about publishing. I remember back then, see, this is how old it was. They didn't have websites where you could just go and check out like magazines or submissions. And so there's a book called The Writer's Market that would list like these are the publishers and this is what they're looking for, the magazines. And it said like, send a S-A-S-E. And I was like, what's an S-A-S-E? And I was like calling people like, what's an, it's a self-addressed stamped envelope. Uh, so I didn't know either. Like, yeah. So I was like, I had like, there was in Google back then. So literally I had no clue about the publishing world. And I would, I remember I would send, like I would write something up and what they would do is you'd have like, you print up your article and then you would send a self-addressed stamped envelope so they could send it back if they didn't want it. And so here I was, you know, we're living in the 600 square foot apartment and my husband's like, we are really running low. And I'm like, well, I sent an article three weeks ago. I'm sure they're going to buy it. And then they're going to send me money and then we could go buy more groceries, which yeah. Then I got the return with the article that is not something they needed at that time. But I just like from the beginning, I think the persistence really was key. So you can learn anything like you can learn dance. I mean, look at Dancing with the Stars. These are people that know how to dance and they're doing the salsa and all these things. But you can learn anything if you just persist and keep doing it and keep trying. Because when I started, I knew nothing. And now like just also in in addition to the education, just the relationships that I've built, because I've worked with lots of different publishers, lots of different editors. Um, I, you know, I go to conferences now, whether I'm attending or speaking, I meet people. There's other authors that I know, and just how we help each other, we encourage each other, we support each other. It really makes a big difference. And so just get, you know, get in there and try it and meet people and, you know, find a friend and, encourage each other along the way. And pretty soon then, then things start to happen. And I've seen that when I first started that first conference that I talk about when I was 22 years old, I met a lot of different writers. And we, at that time, I started an email loop for us and we would like encourage each other. And then we would pray for each other. And we just sent emails back and forth. And every single one of those, there's 15 of us, every single one of us are multi-published authors now. And it was just, I think, because we had that support system that encouraged each other and like, hey, you said you were going to work on this. Did you send it? And hey, can you read this for me? Because I'm going to you know, send it off to an editor. Just having that support system really made a big difference. It does. I will echo that in the sense of I, I have a friend group of gals that are either, you know, working on their first or second book or girls who are right in the middle of pitching. And Mm -hmm. so it's just been, you know, people share their book proposals with me and they connected me to their people. And I think that support, I mean, if we really believe there's enough for all of us to go around, like offering that support and truly leaning into like that community over competition, you know, way of living it really, I mean, it can propel us all forward. And so that's so cool to hear that all of those women are multi-published authors at this point. So it's so, so cool. Um, what would you say to the listener who just feels like, I don't know where to start. I don't have the resources. I love 
that you saved your money from babysitting kids in your 600 (laughs) square foot apartment. And I think that's like a challenge for most people getting started with their dream. A lot of my friends, even with college degrees now, are graduating college and having so much student loan debt Mm -hmm. and then, you know, starting at really the same rate with a college degree that they could go get, you know, working somewhere else without one. I mean, I feel like almost everyone my age is strapped for cash. And so a big objection to pursuing dreams is I don't have the money. How would you say someone could get started and get creative? Because you certainly did. And I love stories. Those are the stories I most relate to. Yeah. Well, and I think there are like resources out there that are inexpensive. Um, you know, the library, I would go to the library and I would check out books on writing, writing articles, self-editing for fiction writers, a book that I checked out from the library when I'm working on my novel. And so there's that. I mean, now there's also, you know, 99 cent Kindle books. Like there's so many resources that you can get for inexpensively and then also doing stuff online. So it's, you know, maybe doing a mastermind group and Skyping with people, you know, that's free. I mean, just trying to find find ways to connect with people and say, Hey, I see your expertise is in this area. Um, I can help you with this. If you help me with that, I've done that with friends. I have a friend. She has an amazing YouTube channel. Like she is rocking YouTube. She has wonderful videos, tons of subscribers doing really well. And I'm like, okay, I would love some help on this. Cause I have like no YouTube presence hardly at all. And she has, she's been helping me and she wants to write a book with the publisher. And so I've been helping her. So even at the level you know, I am with all these books. It's like, okay, if you help me with this, I'll help you with that. Um, But one cool thing is I also have an online subscription group called Write That Book where people come in and we have, I have editors and agents and professional writers and it's a Facebook group and it's $29 a month. And every week you get either three or four hours of an expert teaching you. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's writethatbook.club. Okay. Um, and the website's there and yeah, cause what I, I want to help those, like I was there, I remember being 22, having no money. And, you know, I want to help those people that can just come in and ask questions cause they have office hours. So they're an hour live on Facebook live and people can ask them questions about writing and editing and publishing. And I have, you know, I have publicists and I have um, agents and I have all types of people who are all my friends. Basically we like hanging out together anyway. So let's just do this and help other people. And they come in there and for an hour a month, give their time to help people. That is so cool. And I love your heart behind that. And that is a great entry point for someone who's interested in writing. Um, I certainly had help and friends and resources when I started. And so I wish I would have known about something like this because I kind of was grasping and asking her out for connections. So I'm so glad that this is an offer my listeners can check out. So definitely check it out. Writethatbook.club was the link. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. very cool. Well, I love that because again, I, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of serving one another. And so mm-hmm. just like you with your friend who has a YouTube channel, who's killing it, on video and you can help her with her book side of things. I do that all the time. I probably have four trades going right now. And so that has, I really believe in if you approach people with a heart to serve them, they're going to want to share everything they know with you. Now, if you approach people and just say, Hey, can I pick your brain? 
that doesn't always go so well because I probably get 10 of those a week, if not more. And so I've always found that like if you offer what you're good at to serve them and truly approach them like, hey, I'd love I love to serve you with my gifts and talents, whatever you need, then they're a lot more open to sharing what they're excellent at. Absolutely. And I usually offer first, like, hey, you know, I know, like, I'll hear them or they'll, I'll hear, you know, talking or they'll ask a question on Facebook, like, where do you get started if you want to write a book? And I'll jump in there and I'll offer stuff, not even wanting stuff in return, just knowing that um, it's someone I respect and I would love to give input. And then they're usually great about, well, I'm going to help you with this. You know, so I think when we give first, it really makes a big difference. And this whole why I started this um, paid subscription group, because like you, I get asked all the time, like, can, we get, can I take you to coffee? Can we meet for this? Can I pick your brain? Can I have a phone call? Which I'm like, I am homeschooling. I have 10 children. Like, I'm writing books. I would love to go to coffee. I mean, that just sounds so fun. But I, I don't have the space for that. So I can say, here we go. I, you know, I do I do lessons in there. So I do teaching. And then I have all these other people. And you can get it for $29, which I think is an awesome deal. Um, and lots of people will jump in. They're like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. But the people that aren't going to, like, they're like, well, I mean, I know they wanted to buy my coffee, but they don't want to, you know, pay $29. I just know that if you're serious, you know, that little bit of investment will make a big deal. And I think it is, and you have to invest something, like even if it's a little amount, because um, I had friends that I have like sat down for an hour and like gave them all this information and they haven't done anything with it. So I think when people do make an investment, they're more willing to do something with it. I think you're 100% right. And even if that means like selling some random stuff around your house on fa Facebook marketplace, like you can come up with $29. And so yeah. I, I'm a big believer in investing. And I think I mean, one time dinner out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. For two people, much yeah. less 11. I'm sure your tabs are not $29. Oh, well, no. <laughs> when our family, like just Taco Bell is $70. Oh, I'm like, no. My gosh. There's no swinging by Taco Bell for dinner. Like, I'm like, I do not have, I'm not going to pull out $70 tonight, guys. We're going to go have mac and cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> that is incredible. That is, that's a commitment. So, I mean, that cruise, that is a huge prize for the family as an incentive yeah. for a year of no grumbling. Well, yeah. Man, I have just loved hearing your story. I've loved hearing, you know, what the effects of, choosing to not grumble and complain for a year had on your family and for the people who have gotten to read your book. But I've also just loved hearing about your journey and writing 70 books and how you got there. Thank you for sharing with us today. Where can people check out not only your most recent book, but the 70 you have under your belt? Yeah. So yeah, the most recent book, they could just go to thegrumblefreeyear.com and there's a website with lots of information. But my website is just trishagoyer.com. It's just T-R-I-C-A-A -A, um, is Trisha and then goyer.com. Um, and then on Amazon, I, have, I do have an Amazon page. If you look under you know authors, my name is there and I'll have all the lists, <laughs> all the books there. But I love you know connecting with people. I love when they visit my website. And then just on social media, I'm Trisha Goyer everywhere. So if you put in my name, I'll pop up. Well, thank you for joining us, guys. You're definitely going to have to snag a copy of the Grumble Free Year. And you'll, we'll have to have you back on because it has been a joy to chat. Oh, I would love it, Kelsey. Thank you so much. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. 
Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. We've all seen the skier responsibility code. This year, Vermont added a few more to keep things safe on and off the mountain. Before visiting, follow travel guidelines and quarantine at home for seven days with a negative COVID-19 test. While here, wear masks, distance, avoid crowded places. It's the same Vermont experience, just with more responsibility. Visit vermontvacation.com for up-to-date travel guidelines. Plan ahead. Follow the code. Save the season. 